as we start every episode of Frame Rate. This is Abe Epperson and Michael Swam shuddering into the microphone. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is going to be good. And the reason we're so excited here on Frame Rate, the show where we rate frames, is we have a fantabulous special guest here today. Please introduce yourself to the folks. My name is Miles Gray, and I am uh, on a second-rate podcast. That's all I can say. Yeah, this one right now. <laughs> all, oh, no, I was talking about my own. The Daily Zeitgeist, yeah. A.K.A. Ours is a third rate, so thank you for Miles that. Uh, you know, and, uh, Miles. Uh, we thought we were fourth rate. You just upped us. You guys have much more uh, in- in- intelligent conversation about movies than what I'm basically screaming about, or Jack just being like, this movie did well at the box office. You're right. Well, that we'll is see. why Take our that. viewership is so low. <laughs> <laughs> we're too sophisticated for our own good. Yes. I am also smart. And speaking of the finest, most sophisticated things in life, our topic today is a movie about three dudes stealing some gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Three Kings. We three 1999. Kings be stealing the gold. Mm-hmm. My friends all drive Porsches. I must make amens. Mm-hmm. First, Such a weird transition of like, what, where did that come? Why did he go to the Mercedes Benz? Wasn't that the Mercedes Benz song? Oh, Lord, once yeah, you buy Mercedes yeah. Benz. But then the three, ki- three, we three kings is... The Christmas song, right? It's a mashup. Yeah. 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 Con, uh, Private Spike Conrad Big. Yeah, he lost me on that one. That's the first thing that blew my mind. This was the first viewing where I became aware that uh, if if you consider them like a Three Musketeers analog, they're D'Artagnan, if you will. There's that sophistication. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is this uh, dipshit fourth guy who always hangs around and is like the comic relief, and it's goddamn Spike Jones. Yeah. Conrad, yeah. The director of many a fine film himself. And uh, so I did look into it. He had never acted before. David O. Russell really had to push to get him in the role. How did he even come within orbit of David O. Russell where he was like, hey, I want you to be in this movie? I, I mean, on, online I it just said other. they were friends. Yeah. But it's, I'm not sure. It is weird to me mentally to imagine why he was like, oh, and the role was written for him. That oh, it was like, written specifically? Okay. Hey, buddy. Uh, who must be a smart, well-spoken man because he's directed a bunch of great films. I wrote this like racist, horrible dipshit He's from character. like Maryland, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That I want you to play. And the, the studio's pushing back, but I don't care. Spike Jones, you are this dipshit. It's just weird to me. <laughs> well, yeah. he's heir to the Spiegel catalog fortune. Wait, Spike Jones? Yeah, is? his real last name is Spiegel. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so he changed his name because he's actually a rich boy. So he changed his name to be the same as a previous very rich, famous person. J-O-N-C, Spike Jones. Yeah. Wait, who's the original Spike Jones? Uh, he wrote, he was a novelty songwriter from like the vaudeville era, but he was very successful. <laughs> but not Z-E. Jones right, right. Nor, like, yeah. more colloquially uh, His spelled. big hit was T for Two. Oh. Uh, and I, Two for I T. I can't remember. That's it. Mm-hmm. So you know it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's get into this goddamn movie. Um, which takes place two weeks after America signed a ceasefire with Saddam Hussein in Iraq, the first time under George Bush Mm -hmm. Sr. And we follow four. (laughs) It's always weird to me that there's four of them. Um, We follow four soldiers who go rogue and decide now is the perfect time to loot the country. Um, instead, they get embroiled in rescuing civilians, and then the thrust of the movie becomes, are they going to rescue the civilians? Should we have been in Iraq? As George Clooney says, kind of sweatily at the beginning. Yeah. Just tell me what we did here. Uh, what did we even do here? Um, so please, as the guest, uh-huh. just start us with like, yeah, buckshot impressions. What of do you the think of the movie? Why do What's you think What's your history it? with the movie? Why'd you pick this movie? I, it was, it's, I don't know why. I think... I've always been like a huge military film buff. Mm. Uh, and this was like a super stylized film. Like at the time, I remember the marketing was really slick. Like this ain't your granddad's war movie kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know, like I, my mom, like she got, she gets screeners and stuff. So mm. as soon as that tape came, it was like, I missed it from being in the theater. And then I told all my friends, like I have three Kings on VHS to come through. And then we just wore the fucking tape out, like just watching it constantly. And I don't know why. I think part of it is just laughing at Spike Jones's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the time, I was like, oh, this is an interesting movie. And then like as the years go on, then 9-11 happens. And then you get a little more like perspective. And you're like, oh, yeah. some parts aren't aging that well. Uh, and I just kind of, 
the sort of like super stylized filmmaking I liked from David O. Russell, and I think that's what kind of got me as like a, what this came out in '99, right? Yeah. So yeah. I was like 15. I thought it was like like oh this is why like how do i do this in iMovie when i make my like shitty little movies what's, what's my three kings yeah exactly uh would it surprise you that bill clinton after seeing the movie like made his entire staff like sit down like he had a like we gotta watch this i movie. heard that yeah. yeah oh shit so i'm like bill clinton now. you're like the bill Yo, clinton dude, get in here. <laughs> of, your, of your little circle of yeah friends no that go. makes sense you are constantly trying to get me to blow you yeah. in your office. <laughs> and but. smoke weed and <laughs> yeah. put stuff up your butt. You play good sax, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how this story actually unfurls is up the butt. Is up the butt. Okay, yeah. there you go. That's a good Much like a cigar. Right? Do you want they, to talk about the ass map? Well, I mean, just that it's the... the it's the inciting incident. That's how they, they find, find the one of map. them. Yeah. Uh, they find an Iraqi with... Uh, like a map on in his butt and then they like hide it from the brass yeah. because they realize it's probably the Kuwaiti gold that Saddam stole. I do like the exchange went right when they see the map, Vig says to Troy Barlow, Mark Wahlberg, so you figure he ate it? And Mark yeah. Wahlberg says, no, it wouldn't come out all perfect like that. Also, it's also one of the worst butt-hiding jobs I've ever seen. Like, right. Because like, that would fall out. I was wondering, okay, everyone, I'm glad everyone had this thought. Yeah, I, like, in retrospect, you know, after trying to boof many kinds of things, uh-huh. I was like, yo, that's a that's a failed jail wallet You're job if I've ever seen one. Yeah. Get that up your butt, just my friend. Fully, that is, <laughs> it probably wasn't even touching his butthole. It was probably just, be, just be, betwixt his cheeks. Yeah. That's actually how people describe you they're like that guy's really good yeah and stuff up his butt exactly that's, hey, so if that's you need why to do yeah. that talk to miles if you want to go man. to a music festival yeah. <laughs> well i think i i guess i agree with your 15 year old self i think the reason you watched it over and over is, is it's goddamn engaging like it's entertaining yeah. it really moves a lot of plot points happen fast i i'm seeing abe's eye rolls which i'm excited about and i do think the filmmaking is like top tier in the sense that these stylized choices all have meaning and are really, really cool and well executed. So now Abe can rebut that. Go. Uh, I mean, it's hard to rebut that. All I'll say is my opening argument is that while it does have a lot of intelligence in terms of like, for example, that one of the ones is, so Archie, who is Wahlberg, right? Archie, no, Archie, is, Archie sorry, Clooney. Is Clooney. Clooney, yeah. Clooney talking to uh, Chief Specifically, the worst thing about a gunshot wound, provided you survive the bullet, is something called sepsis, mm-hmm. infection of okay, the blood. Okay, you're jumping right to my favorite shot, yeah. Yeah, and then he says, that's right, this is where we go inside the body the cavity. insert, yeah, yeah. That's right, say a bullet tears in your gut, it creates a cavity in the dead tissue. The cavity fills up with bile and bacteria, and you're fucked. So, there is some intelligence there, because we all can see that that's not a very clouded veil over like what's happening in the Middle East. So he's doing things like metaphor, but like there's something so much about how the, what you guys brought up with the style, like let's take for example, when we see their in, the Four Kings introduction, it like freeze frames, which is just taken out of Italian neorealism. Right. It's nothing new. Guy Ritchie has been doing this. It gives this, you one fact you know? each. And Archie it, Gates, two weeks from retirement. Yeah, intro to the Kings is wants to be Tro- Troy Barlow. Pluto later became governor. To, yeah, yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. And it's these half-witty little things. They're not that funny to me. I can see how they could be funny, but I think there's something to be said about, like, people, when they saw this movie, felt it was new and fresh enough to their eyes that they were like, this is, like, crazy how unhinged this movie is. Can you, can you even believe that sure, they put sure. that subtitle there. That's not how subtitles work. That I feel like he gets more credit for that than actually like that means something in t- in terms of the films. Like what if you cut out those uh, subtitles about each of those characters, do you lose anything other than the stylistic approach of? I would you argue yes, it. unless you put the information in in a line because each of the things is information that immediately without wasting any time lets you know what the character's main motivation is going to be. Like the reason Wahlberg is the most, I don't want to help the civilians, I don't want to help the civilians, is because his thing said Mark Wahlberg, new father. And I think that's a really effective, efficient way to be like, well, now we know why he's like that. Uh, yeah. You get to cut out some um, expository that's dialogue. That's fair, but we do learn all these things in the movie. That's true. The Thrust. only time I felt 
And I also, watching it again, didn't feel... I felt it held up well. The only time I didn't feel that is Ice Cube's subtitle, Chief Elgin taking a four-month paid vacation from Detroit. Detroit, yeah. Because it's just such a weird, cheap joke so early in the movie. Yeah, when, like, like, yeah. I visit Detroit semi-regularly. It's lovely. Yeah, I, mean, I love nice, Detroit. Yeah. But yeah, the idea is like, <laughs> he left one war zone for another. Like, it's, yeah. he's better off here. Yeah. And it's like, he's really not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's... Um, um, but I... So, the reason I think it does achieve not being your granddaddy's war movie and is through the use of visual meaning. For example, I, I, did, I knew I wanted to bring up, like, compare the... You know that thing all war movies have done since Saving Private Ryan, where it goes into skip motion. Right. Shell shot dropping and frames the and stuff. Sound yeah. is like in this movie that is used exclusively not when guns are being fired at each other, mm-hmm. but when someone's internal world is crashing down. Yeah. And I just think that that is like a clear use of meaning that subverts a trope, which is the exact kind of shit you like when the Coen brothers do it, Abe. Um, uh, like when Archie Gates says, you know, why are we here? What are we doing here? Mm-hmm. As cheesy as maybe, or like explicit as that might be. Right. Um, then the shot is just him standing up and like clenching his eyes and having a migraine, but it goes into that war skip motion. And yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that's cool. I'm like, yeah, because he feels like that right now, even though there's no tank nearby or whatever. I, I've one, it's sad when, like, the way you're bringing up all the sort of stylized choices, it's because precisely because at 15, I had no frame of reference for any of those totally, things. Totally. So I'm like, <laughs> of course, this is the shit. That's why Snatch was my other favorite oh, movie yeah, at the time. Yeah. But yeah, I, I can, I can, I see the argument of I how, agree. Like, Snatch is also good. It's Snatch is also I love a better Snatch. movie. But like, no, I'm not saying it didn't work on me. I'm just saying, like, looking just back like when and you look at it, it, you're like, this isn't new. This I, is. It was seminal. It was sure. one of the first. Generation Kill, I think goes a lot to it uh generational generation kill which is david simon creator of the wires right. hbo miniseries it's like a seven or eight part series that does exi- occupies the same kind of narrative where yeah. it's like why did we go there this is just filled with stupidity and incompetence we shouldn't be here we're doing more damage than we're not but of course it's done in a wire way where it's more like dense fiction than an action comedy right. <laughs> i think that show is more true to its roots granted it gets eight hours to do what you know, David O. Russell has to do in two. But there's something I wanted to ask you guys about, like the broader steps of this mm-hmm. uh, movie and what your thoughts are now, now that we live in a post 9-11 situation and have seen some wars in this area, like what that means to you, because it still has white savior problems. Oh, 100%. And yeah. so you're right. And I do think that the observation is on point, Mike, when you say that like Clooney's character definitely says like what is the whole point of this which is a good thought a good question to ask when we're there but also he has this whole like conversation where he's like what's the most important thing in life and then they go respect he's like too dependent on other people and then conrad says what love a little disneyland isn't it chief says god's will he says close what is it then necessity as in and as in people do what is most necessary to them at any given moment and then at the end of the film same kind of extension of that conversation. Load the people in the Humvee, all of the you know uh, refugees. There's no room. Make room. What happened in necessity? It just changed. Mm-hmm. Like the movie doesn't to me doesn't seem to earn this jump from God. We really fucked this up. To well, at least we helped some people there, even though we were thieves. It kind of like wants to say there's no honor among thieves, and then at the same time wants to say like but the thief can change, which feels really bipolar to me. To mm. me, it reflects the complexity of the issues in, the, in that area. And I would say they do boil it down, but it's still not as like, simplified as most movies would make this mm. situation. Because I would say, they, I mean, if you count the Saeed torture scenes with Wahlberg, right. I think they're, like you said, yes, there's white savior complex, but there's also moments where the guy says... Are the Ameri- you care about Kuwaiti children? Oh, are the Americans coming back to help Kuwaiti children? Right. And Mark Wahlberg says, no, they're not coming. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's admissions that, right, we Congratulations. know. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, we were bad. We did bad. And, like, I think, obviously, it's an attempt to be one shade more complex than just, like, patriotism. Or, like, okay, 
It's a hell of a lot That's, more sensitive yeah. than American Sniper, oh, yeah. which is so fucking critically acclaimed. Right. And is just like, isn't it cool how Americans kill stuff? Which is kind of, and Generation Kill has the same. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was like, oh, six or something. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, you had yeah, some yeah. time. You could learn a little bit more. But like, I think that even in the, our opening images of the Four Kings, I guess, uh, they're seeing God bless the USA and they, he's got like Wahlberg's got his the, the fl- American flag around. Oh, they're yeah. all hammered. Yeah, they're yeah. taking photos they're pissing everywhere. Today would be like embarrassing Instagram right. photos. Yo, 100%. Like flexing with a gun in front of a flag. Right. <laughs> yeah, so with your t-shirt like wrapped on your head. So that's like our turban. start point, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, I think the movie the unabashedly guy. and they're constantly like casually racist. The movie is saying these guys all suck in they some suck, way. They suck, yeah. And then it took... I mean, yeah, that's like the thing, especially those torture scenes. It did provide a moment where even if you were a totally ignorant human being watching it, for a second you're like, wow. Wait, like, because most of the time you're yeah. never hearing the perspective of the people who are on the receiving end of gunfire and like, American right. soldier films where it's like, you know, I'm a father. You understand what's going on. And then even, especially the part where he was like, here's your fucking stability, my men, man. And yeah. pours the oil down his Four mouth. Oil, that yeah. fucked my head. I was, as a kid, I was like, whoa. Yeah. I do love I that he used a CD yeah, just to, to, to like, like lever his mouth open. So yeah. it has like a, like basically as a funnel for the oil, which is kind of a statement because yet before he asked like, what'd you do to Michael, Michael Jackson? Jackson? Right, right. So like, and two of the uh, main stars are musicians slash at least pop artists, yeah. uh, you know, so. Yeah, I want to quote that because I yeah, also think that's some amazing screenwriting because it starts so you're like, is this going to be a, just a weird like getting to know you as your torturer? Right, bit? right, right. And it escalates so well. Tell me something, bro. What is the problem with Michael Jackson? Huh? The king of pop. Hoo hoo. Hee hee. Your country make him cut off his face. He's king of pop to some sick fucking country. That's bullshit. You're the blind bullshit sick, my main man. Your country make the black man hate himself the same way you hate Arab and the children you bomb over here. That's not shit that was in mainstream movies in 1999. No. So like, I I give it props for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love, I, I think that those torture scenes really provide the weight um, but I agree that it's still way more simplified than like real life is because they basically boil it down to, well, if we were going to go in, we should have stayed till the job was done. And the bad thing is that we're leaving because now the local people stood up to fight because we said do that. Right. And we're like, hey, and now we we're abandoning we them. And I'm sure there's political scientists who could come in and say, no, if we'd stayed longer, we would have just fucked it up worse. Um, but. That's the narrative they chose to, I mean, that's the narrative they present. I think that that's super intelligent. I just think that it's undercut. I'm not saying that he doesn't, they don't have, the movie doesn't have great things to say. Mm -hmm. It's just undercut by things like at the beginning when they first like head out uh, after they got in the map and they were like going to do the crimes, uh, they have that, they're shooting the footballs from the Humvee (laughs) and they have that conversation about Warren Moon and Randall Cunningham. Right, black quarterbacks. Yeah, black quarterbacks and they talk about how black guys can't throw the ball, they're running backs. And then, of course, at the end of the movie, yes. he yeah. throws <laughs> and explodes a helicopter with a C4 football. Ice Cube brings down a chaffer with a pass. Yeah, right. With pass. <laughs> so it seems like it's half like done with the irony of Shane Black and half like I have a real thing I need to say. Mm. And that is just weird. I'm just acknowledging, like, I'm is not saying it, it's bad. I'm just saying that's weird. Because that's definitely a way it differs from Generation Kill and it was notable to me this time. It's pretty funny. Like it's, it, it's jokey about everything. It goes for jokes yeah. more than I even remembered. Yeah. Because yeah. I hadn't watched it for like 10 years, and I remember the CD and the oil oh, being yeah, said. Yeah. I didn't remember like the Tarantino-ish banter about like what's the proper racist term to use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, this is a weird little like clerksy moment where they're just shooting the shit and trying to be funny. Yeah. That was interesting <laughs> to me. Um. I feel like no one's going to help me out because you guys are against me and this can't possibly. But the one, uh, I feel like I could drop more evidence about like film choices that did have meaning that yeah. aren't just snatch. Because my problem with Guy Ritchie is that the things he does don't have meaning. Right. Um, but I don't understand why it's so highly saturated. And he <laughs> paid, David O. Russell had to like argue for millions of more dollars 
so they could do a silver nitrate bypass on the film and ship those reels Bleach to bypass, theaters, yeah. which actually has trace amounts of silver on the film. So it like triples the amount it costs to export the film. Mm -hmm. So wow. he cared a lot that like those shots where you see the sky, the sky looks like fucking aqua pool. Right, right, right. Why? Does that mean anything? Did anyone get anything from that? Uh, I don't know. It's weird because for the same reasons you kind of say that there are moments where things don't feel earned or whatever, uh -huh. and because it's jokey, there are times where the, like those sort of aesthetic choices are almost lost on me. But they just you just kind of wrapped up in it. And yeah. You can enjoy it for what it is. You don't need any meaning to come out of it necessarily. No, it just felt like it just feels yeah, totally. like, like it's just pop art in a way. And I was yeah, like, oh, yeah, okay, exactly. that's what you're going for. Warhol. And I couldn't go for anything beyond like, that's you just wanted to give the Middle East, this, that was your Bright look colors you wanted look to cool. give it. Right. Yeah. Granted, they only shot in California, Ooh. Arizona, and New Mexico. Dude, right. there is a, and then I looked into it and I looked like locations of shoot and it was true. This time watching it, they cut to a really tense part where they're like, walking, trying to avoid getting caught with the whole caravan. And I was like, that's that fucking strip mine off the 210 East on the way to San Bernardino. And it totally <laughs> it is. It was. <laughs> Amazing. Here's, one of, here's what I want to talk about the choice, the choices that you're, you're mentioning, mm -hmm. Mike, which is that it, I also have a kind of an agenda because I actually despise, as a director, I despise David O. Russell. I despise him as a human being, which I want to get to. Um, <laughs> and it's one of those choices. Of, so uh, a film that came out, since you mentioned Coen Brothers, mm -hmm. a year later, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? <laughs> Little used the film same, you might have heard of. Uh... <laughs> used the same bleach bypass <laughs> process, but not by film. They did it with grading and digital. And it was like known as like well, the first it was time. The first film and it looks to amazing, right? Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, this is now the golden standard. So that's craftsmen actually looking at what they have available. This is a guy who's tied to a way of being, a way of like, I want to be punk rock as fuck. He wants right. to be Stanley Kubrick. And he yeah. doesn't care if it matters. He just wants to yell at people all the time to the point of, and there's this whole, you go on the Wikipedia page for this fucking movie and just look under the section that's like, I think it's just like conflict. Oh. It's just like, Everyone hated him. There's obviously the I Heart Huckabees blow up that with Lily Tomlin Everyone's that went seen viral. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What um, the fuck? She is, she is just a maniac. Yeah. He's yeah. just a maniac. Yeah, yeah. And he, he, yes, he fights for his vision, which is something a director should do. But when you're, it's hard to rectify the decision making process of like the studio being like, well, I'm just saying you could get the same kind of look if you did it through like a cheaper process. Here's ver here's a example of that already being developed. And, and right, right, no, right. no. And Spike Jones is one no. of the leads. <laughs> right. I'm gonna make him act. No. Uh, okay. Well, let's do a little David O. Russell block, but quick sure. before we get back to the movie. Sure. But <laughs> yeah, my 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 all my distaste stems from the David O. Russell, uh, the I Heart Huckabee shit. Yeah. I don't know any more other conflicts. So I'm just very that. excited. Uh, Did you ever see uh, Michael Showalter? Showalter, his web show. Uh, like very, like maybe a portion. He did a great episode, like the day after that released, where he's having a casual interview like he normally does, mm -hmm. and they someone says a mild dig, like "darn you," and he does a beat for beat recreate for the rest of the episode. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's just the David O. Russell thing. That is the hilarious. Rest of the episode. Definitely watch that video. But uh, yeah, if you haven't seen him yell at Lily Tomlin. It's rough and at the same time fascinating and at the same time you're like, how can you be like that and get $48 million right. and get in charge of making the movie? Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so, And I didn't know this stretched all the way back to before he was famous. Like, yeah. th He doesn't have that much clout during Three Kings, but this is shit from the Wikipedia page, as Abe said. Um, David O. Russell never wanted George Clooney for the lead role, accepting him only after his first choice as Clint Eastwood, Mel Gibson, Nicholas Cage, Jack Nicholson, and Dustin Hoffman all turned down the part and Clooney lobbied for the role. He made it clear on set every day that he didn't want Clooney in the role. Uh, Clooney noted that, quote, there is an element of David that seems like he's always <laughs> way over his head and then he just flips out. He's vulnerable and selfish and it manifests in a lot of yelling. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Then... Uh, after several takes, 
this is during the scene where the soldiers have to like take the people from the convoy and round them up and hurt some of them. Mm-hmm. He didn't like the way the guy was throwing one of the convicts. After several takes, Russell came to the extra and put him through the motions of the action. Some individuals present on the set state that Russell is simply marking how to convincingly act in the scene. However, Clooney and others think that Russell had violently thrown the extra to the ground just to get his anger out. Clooney recalls, okay. quote, we were trying to get a shot, and he just went berserk. He just went nuts on this extra. Clooney approached Russell and began criticizing him again, coming to the extra's defense. The two began shouting at one another before entering a physical fight. After fighting in the dirt, second assistant director Paul Bernard was so fed up with the experience, he put down his camera and walked off the set, effectively quitting. He did not return. They had to replace Holy him. Shit. Clooney concludes, will I work with David ever again? Absolutely not. Never. Do I think he's tremendously talented? Yeah. Russell offered a different view, saying, George Clooney and I are both passionate guys who are the two biggest authorities on set and we're good friends to this day. George Clooney denies this. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if it's an alternate or like a, a different scenario, mm-hmm. but like another, or if it's the same one, but like Clooney was just super surprised because one of the extras, because like it's heat stroke and there's, you know, yeah. uh, had a seizure. And everyone was like, oh, shit. And he, like, ran over to him and was like, are you okay, Clooney? Yeah. And uh, when he looked over at David O. Russell, David O. Russell was just, like, setting up another shot. Like it, He was like, there's people that will take care of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and he's just, like, doesn't see. That's seem, a separate incident. Which is an amazing <laughs> thing because I feel like that's exactly, like, what he's doing to his set is exactly the lopsided point what of the America movie. Did wow, right. Well, I mean, it's it's that he's trying to make a point that he himself is not obeying the laws of what he says is a good thing to do. Do as I film, not like, as I do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and it just is hilarious to me that he's just seems I, to be an asshole. What kind of tactic, though, is that as a director to constantly remind one of your leads, you know, I, I didn't fucking want you in this. Yeah. Like, in a way, it's just so... Is that his weird way of trying to motivate him? Or he's just really like, I don't care, and I'm just going to act. I'll just put all my insecurities on the table. That's what I wonder. But whereas like with Kubrick, I don't, I still don't think it's acceptable, but he's like, yeah, I was being a dick to Shelley Long or Duvall intentionally all the time to get that broken, shattered performance out of her. (laughs) Lily Tomlin in the Huckabee scene if you've seen the movie, you know what scene that is. She's like peppy and bubbly in that right. scene. There's no way the right way to get that from her is to like scream at her yeah. for an hour. So I don't think he's doing directing stuff. I yeah, think he just, just has a shitty dude. problems. Yeah. Um, Ice Cube said that he didn't mind it. He didn't want, he didn't conflict directly with. David O. Russell, but he was like, it was cool how George Clooney and David O. Russell had this escalating tension because it really helped me be tense in the tense scenes. Oh, shit, right. And he's like, (laughs) and they fist fought right before we shot the climax where the guy's lung collapsing and the people aren't going to survive. And he's like, honestly, I've been on other movies where I'm like, could the director and the star have a fist fight right now? That would really like help my process. (laughs) (laughs) Although it's funny, uh, Clooney had another line about like, did he just do it with you or does he do that all the, like David or Russell, does he do that all the time? And Clooney was like, no, he wouldn't try that shit with Cube. Yeah, you right. Know? That's what, that's what <laughs> makes me think. Cube's know. not going to take it. He's from South Central. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Cube would probably just mush his face off. Like, <laughs> just be like, get out of my face with this. Uh, but here, okay, so just counterpoint, George Clooney is a notorious onset prankster. Right. And when I hear that, I think, and that he like helps the extras and uh, and uh, all his I don't know I bl- agree with most of his political leanings and his activism so I'm like seems like a good guy, but I did this prank seems too far for me. So Nora Dunn who plays Adriana Cruz the reporter, mm. great actress, George Clooney a notorious prankster played a prank on Nora Dunn by putting an apple on the antenna of a Humvee and catapulting it into the back of her head. And I'm like, that's not a, a prank. prank. That's a, a really assault. painful, yeah. surprising Just attack. And- yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like, yeah. He has like the YouTuber's idea of what pranks are. It's like yeah. sick apple to the head prank. Wait, so he put it on and then like cranked it back like a trebuchet or something? Exactly. Shit? Dug an apple onto a Humvee antenna and shot it at her. And... <laughs> hit his mark which consultant showed him that you know what I mean because I don't think Clooney's been around enough like Humvee antennas or he was oh, like yeah. watch this like I'm sure one of the guys like you know what we used to you do over there do? Yeah. just launch it. launch it this is how we took down Kabul this is how we do <laughs> apples on yeah, that's how we do yeah yeah uh, it's, it's crazy to me because like 
he, yeah, David O. Russell seems to be, like, we're painting this picture of him where he's, like, fairly unhinged, where he's just, like, grabbing at things. I, he obviously has done a lot of cool things in this movie. I yeah. love the milk scene, yeah. which, by the way, the extras didn't know that they were supposed to drink the milk, mm-hmm. so they'd do it a second time and like, yeah. let it dry oh, wow. and stuff because he, because of a failure of direction. Yeah. Just pointing that like, out. He, <laughs> he didn't tell the idea to tell the extras what to do. To do, yeah. yeah so, but um, that's a great... I love that sequence. It's a great metaphor because you have this, like, this... The sand that's absolutely, like, the... Like Thirstiest. nothing can grow on yeah. it. Right. Being nourished, Sucks all the moisture away. Yeah, being nourished by this thing that represents life, and people are like spooning it in their hands. Yeah, because they're so thirsty. Yeah, and getting sand in their mouth, and like have it's like probably spoiled. Like, right. it just is a very visceral yeah. thing. That's a good moment, but I also take that moment. The whole sequence I, is dynamite. It's, it's really so intense. Yeah. yeah, reminds me of the. The key scene in Nocturnal Animals. If you've seen I want to ask you another question though, because this is mm-hmm. what I'm, because I'm putting everything in this concept of like it's bipolar. Like it does this really well. It does this really well. These two different things. How do they coalesce? How is this a movie? Uh, what do you guys make of the sequence with uh, Cruz, the the um, reporter, the reporter, uh, when she's like, she's walking with Jamie Kennedy. Uh, they're looking for a story, which is a whole like B plot, which is hilarious. Where because he wants to fuck her so bad, uh, and like she's like he's like pointing out these are the oil fields. This is what's going on here. Like a lot of people are in this. I already did that. I already story. done that yeah. story. But then she looks at like the pelicans, the drowning pelicans drowning. drowning. It's all so fucking horrible. Or to, yeah, and then just cries. Mm-hmm. What does that scene mean to you guys? I don't know. I mean, I I took I just as literally as possible, more in the sense that. She on, you know, you go to a place like any sort of war war zone and you have to be to a certain extent shed your humanity to to sort of operate within it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then it clearly was like, I I don't know, just I think it just sort of helped balance her character or something where it was just like, oh, she's so hardened or whatever. And and this is it. But it didn't it was I kind of had the same thing. I was like, I don't know if I needed that. Or if that it necessarily added anything for me, because it it to me it just felt like such a over, like hitting you over the head with like, hey man, some some shit still does get through, right? And you can you know you can be completely overwhelmed. But yeah, I don't know. I it couldn't really. Was it convincing to you? And a second question <laughs> is: Was it intentionally not convincing? If it wasn't convincing to her crying and her like feeling for that pelican, does she care uh-huh. about that pelican? Or well, is this- I think there's the possible interpretation that she means it's horrible that she worked so hard and hasn't gotten. Because if you remember, oh. her Chiron is five-time Pulitzer nominee or Emmy, oh, right. Emmy that, nominee. Emmy nominee. That's yeah. all she wants. Yeah, she's hunting that story. So I thought that was a possible interpretation. Is she means it's so goddamn horrible that I'm failing. But I prefer and choose Miles' interpretation. Uh, and I don't know that I need the moment, but I do like it. I liked, I've had that moment. I mean, I had it with 9-11 where I watched it on the news as a kid, but I was a kid and it was abstract. And then like a year and a half later, I was able to conceptualize and think about what it must've been like mm-hmm. for various people in various situations and then like wept and fell apart. And I think that does happen. It's like, totally. she's like, I need the story. These drowning birds are the story. That's not on the list. And then she's like, wait. If this is these, real, right, These birds, these are, birds are, are drowning right. in oil. Right. It's just so goddamn horrible. Right, it is. Uh, yeah. And I just love Nora Dunn, so I thought her acting also sold it. Yeah, like she's such a good actress that I. it made me think that it felt stilted to me. Like her mm, performance sure. felt very sudden. And you feel like it must be intentional. And I felt like it's almost like she was doing what you just said. And she does it to a plum, you know, with right. a plum. But David O. Russell was trying to make with that section something else of it and i don't know if that's true even to begin with but if it was true i don't even know what his intention would be other than to say like she yes she's human but like because the ending of that sequence by the way if you don't recall is she like gathers herself together and just walks right 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 so it's kind of like this rondo form it's this like 
I'm this normal human, I go someplace, and then I'm back to normal human that yeah. I usually am, which is not giving a shit about pelicans mm -hmm. covered in oil. Uh, and I feel like that's what David O. Russell kind of is doing with the rest of the film, so that's why I think he's doing it with this scene, is he's saying, like, yeah, we like to think about how horrible war is, but are we really going to do anything about it? No, you're just going to go about right. your fucking business and but listen to... No, they save a bunch of people and they give the gold back. They that's, do something about it. That's the whole point of the movie. That's the white savior complex thing that I don't it's understand. It's not bad to... They do good. They're staying... They do good. Okay, they do. I agree uh, The white saviorism is a thing and that I can't speak to it from a place of like knowledgeability and complexity, but... If you're in the in the moment, they realize there's an immediate crisis to just some people, and they decide to use their authority to try and keep those people not die, make them not die. Right? Isn't that good? That <laughs> is good. Okay. no, sure. Objectively, <laughs> if you, if you <laughs> distill yes. it down to those facts, and then when it comes to the point where they're like, and you have to give up the gold to save them, they're like, then we'll give up the gold. They're doing the good choices that you would want them to do. So you're saying you're if, like, just so I can. But I don't think if the movie's saying what you're that saying. justifies the invasion of Iraq. Because right. I think the movie's right. still okay. questioning they shouldn't have been in that location anyway. That's not their gold. Like he should be at home working at a carpet store. Right. Not mm -hmm. here with gold that was stolen from there and moved here. See, it's crazy. <laughs> see, I think that there's this kind of catch-22 element of the movie because if you – the end of the movie is they do the good thing. They give up the gold. And right. I will but say, then the post credits uh -huh. are like, he works as a Hollywood, like, you know, yeah. like consultant. Well, karma rewards them very well. Yeah, they have, right. they might as well have gotten so their gold, a, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like yeah. saying like, here's a shitty situation. Yes, they're only guilty by proxy. They don't want to be here either. They do a good thing by giving up gold, even though they, they, they were thieves. If they could have kept the gold and the people they would alive, have. they would yeah. have kept oh, the gold. Yeah. You yeah. Know, that's the whole thing with Clooney talking about necessity. Yeah. And necessity has changed. Now I need to now save Now the people, people trump the gold. Right. And but then I they still get like a great thing. Like, but as, I think he is doing that. He, in particular, Archie Gates, is yeah. doing that as a white savior thing. Like when necessity changes for him, I get the strong impression that the necessity is for him to feel that he did anything good while he was here. Yeah. Even more than the abstract idea that my fellow men and women have dignity and need to be right, survived, right, right. I think his arc is explicitly, oh, I can do something where I could go home and feel like at least I did a thing. Right, because he was just thing. having a meaningless yeah. experience the yeah. entire time. What do you think, Miles? How should we feel at the end of the movie? Ah, God, that's what I'm saying. Like When I watched it again, I'm just like, oh, all right. Uh would have been chill if they just had the gold and saved the people. Like that was the ending I think I wanted for them. Like, hey, you did it all. Did but, the tension work on you still though? Like in that last scene? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean that, but I think that's just a function of like good, like, you know, just the cinematic aspect of it got mm -hmm. me like, oh man. And like, you know, Troy's like, can't get his like chest wound valve open. And Jim Gaffigan has to save him. Yeah. It's amazing. I, he's like, I, oh, I was like, that's fucking Jim Gaffigan. There's so well, many hey, good sh uh, little uh, cameos in there. All the show cuts. This in is the first kid. movie yeah, where She's uh, in Judy Greer and Aaliyah Shaq had ever met. <laughs> yeah. And they're both on Arrested Development together yeah. later. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw Arrested Development, I was like, I think that's a little girl from Three Kings. Like really? that was my first. That's an amazing. For pull. whatever reason, I her character really kind of stuck out to yeah. me because there was something. It's about, a lingering, lingering shot of her as they describe like yeah. what happened. No, yeah. for real. And like you know, her mom just gets offed right in front of her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then she's got like two inexplicably broken yeah. arms or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, God. I think as also like watching it as a teenager, I was like, damn, like. Shorty just like broke both of her arms somehow out there. Like it's rough. Like it's you know, rough. from my it's privileged like value. I don't know where she's point of view. I wonder where yeah. she skateboards. Yeah, exactly. Should've, Seems dangerous. Should have rocked those wrist guards. Oh, it really got me when that the rebels are sniping at the tank and they reveal that the sniper's a like boy. a ten-year-old boy. Yeah, yeah. and they does just, the same Private Ryan tank ending. Yeah. yeah, Parker, get out. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, yeah. I don't know what this means, but I thought it was interesting that uh, the rebel leader guy is played by Chad I, something. Curtis, Curtis, Cliff. Curtis, Curtis, yeah. Cliff, Cliff yeah. Curtis, Cliff Curtis yeah. from New Zealand. Yeah. And uh, Captain <clears throat> Syed is played by a Frenchman of Moroccan descent. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Captain Syed. 
Well, he yeah, was Captain Saeed. He, like, he does a great job. Yeah, Cliff Curtis was just he was that, that guy man. who was like any other race you that, need yep. is Cliff. He's been many different races. Yeah, yeah. The versatility of the the New Zealand. I will admit the Adriana Cruz B plot didn't need to be so explored because it only truly exists as like pipe laying for a plot element, Mm -hmm. which is the only reason they aren't court martialed is she aired the whole thing and people backed them up in like a PR arena. Um, So that's definitely a weakness, but I think it also speaks to one of the strengths of the script, which is just as someone who like from a craftsmanship level, there's at least, I know they taught it to us in playwriting. I don't know if screenwriting class teach this, but it can be, it's often useful to have as many layers happening at once as possible and find key choke points where they all come crashing down and these form your, you know, climactic moments. And I just think the exact moment that Adriana Cruz arrives is so perfectly chosen. Like after they've gone to the bunker, gotten out of the bunker, gone back to the bunker, Wahlberg's been tortured, they just rescued him, Vic is dying, and you forgot she exists. Right. And there's no control of the situation, bullets are flying, she shows up and starts filming a report. Uh, to me, that kind of layering is like a, it's just a trick, but it's a, a trick that's so core to filmmaking, and he handles it really well. In the same way where I think the lung thing kicking in at the same time that we're worried about the people crossing the border right, right, and right. what's going to happen with the gold. It's amazing to get all those things to just hit at once. And I do see a connection to Guy Ritchie there because Guy Ritchie is like that, where he's like, look at how cool I set up the pieces. Right, right. It's not necessarily Uh-oh, important right. how I set sure, them up, yeah. but look how complex the dominoes are. It oh, goes she's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. wonder, though, when you think about it, like, does the film, is it the same without her character in it? Like, does it seem like they does needed she that? Do anything? Re- like, they need her to create the the ending that excuses their. I think criminality. that's the only reason she exists. I think you're right. Right, where like before, like like, do you think in a first draft he's like, ah, oh, damn, he's like maybe I need to like, how am I gonna get these guys out of this prop, like this situation? It's mm-hmm. like, oh wait, journalism, also, the media's yeah. attention on this. He probably felt like the media needed a representative, right? But he didn't do anything with her that comments on the media. No, he uses her. Yeah, she's purely she's like plot. just serves. Yeah, serves Object. as the plot. Yeah, which he's he does to both female journalists, so to speak. Right. Oh, he's. I mean, yeah, he's Bechdel fodder for sure. They've yeah. covered David O. Russell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, he yells the thing at Lily Tomlin that you're not supposed to yell at a yeah. woman. He's very freely. <laughs> he's also clearly, and part of me is like, oh, that's cute. Uh, but he's also like just a generic troll like david o russell uh like for example he heard either he concocted and then like pushed the narrative or he heard that someone got it wrong when they were talking about the shot of the bullet going through and the bile releasing and stuff that and we somehow seen, people like fake news like people yeah. talking about they used a real corpse they used a real corpse yeah they used a real corpse oh yeah he said and that then in, in an interview yeah. with newsweek he just owned it he's like we only had one corpse uh, so we had to get it right like the first time, and he just leaned and he's into like, it. We had to do the septic shot and the collapsing lung shot in the same corpse. Absolutely not true. That <laughs> no, none of that happened. And like he got the morticians association to like come after him and be like, used a real corpse. Yeah, what wait, the fuck? What? Like this unethical thing. Like he's just leaning into this unethical. Wait, so he story. actually did use a corpse? No, no he didn't. But he but just he wanted said to. He did. But he, he was getting was off funny. on the outrage. He was yeah. getting off on the outrage. I, I also think that like me he probably didn't expect that there was a group of morticians looking out for like how dare you slander yeah, our noble like profession PETA for dead bodies I didn't basically realize there was yeah a bunch of really like creepy pale dudes in suits show up and they're like we don't like the way you're portraying the use of corpse we'll see you in a box one day david <laughs> yeah. and we'll see if we respect your corpse yeah. <laughs> There'll be a lot of mistakes made on that day. <laughs> in the uh, milk truck scene, which you mentioned, I do really appreciate, and he said this in interviews, uh, that he wanted it to be a movie where you feel every bullet and each bullet's alive. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. think he accomplishes that. Definitely. With that cool, the, the centerpiece shootout. Right. Where you get the every bullet impact in slow motion, but also those up at the sky shots of Clooney and Cube and the clouds are going fast motion. Mm. I, I thought that was a very unique, fresh way to show, you know, when you're in the battle, time is telescoping in yeah. and out. And a lot of 
shootouts have shown that effect, mm-hmm. but never in that using that visual. Right. Eye. Like just makes the idea of a gunshot wound so much more vivid, especially when you set yeah. up like, cause even when he does like the sepsis thing, <coughs> sorry, they're sort of, you know, Mark Wahlberg's like Troy gets shot, you know, yeah. like where he, like he, he, co- he recoils like from, he got shot from the imaginary. Right. Shot. Right. And you yeah. see like a dust hit go off, like on his clothing or whatever. And like that, that was also like probably at, even for me upon first viewing as a, teenager was like oh okay wow like usually just think of a bullet hitting and you just die versus like it's shredding up your body and these are the other You're things bleeding, that, yeah yeah and i just I, yeah there were moments like that that kind of helped like it's weird because i'm sort of balancing my adult brain watching it mm-hmm. with like what my first reactions were to it i think that that's the right place to look at it though, yeah you know because like we didn't want we watch this in a not not just in pre nine eleven, but like at a youthful age, all of us are oh, around yeah. the same age. So like it was also one of the first times that we saw like this kind of culture shock, right. you know, um, and that predates a lot of the actual culture shock that we yeah. got yeah. with the following decades. So there's something there. Yeah. And I think they're both relevant. But now that you've fully matured, Miles, mm-hmm. um, and you will I'm stop sure you growing. can tell us. What was the right thing to do in the Iraq situation? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my Please God. Please speak directly yeah. to the microphone. Oh, yeah. man. Just let them kill each other, man. Great. Yeah. You know Let's mean? cut that you as cut our it. You heard it here first. There it is from the Daily Zeitgeist, dude. Official, official standpoint of my show. Uh, yeah. I don't, it was so weird, though. You know that? Uh, just one of the things about the film that has always stuck with me since first viewing was the Saeed torture scene. Yes. Because it really did humanize this, the idea of, it didn't obscure the others who we were shooting at Mm -hmm. in the film and very much made it real. And it's funny to this day, like all my friends who watch it, we can almost like word for word, say most of the lines from that scene and that scene alone. Because part of it was sure, like his like my main men and little affectations were funny. But then, but then it was also because like when he's like, you know, my wife was crushed and like it's all this very vivid yeah. telling of like I what used his to be life. A father. That's yeah. only gets me is uh I have a daughter. Why did you tell me about Crystal, my main man? Yeah. So you'd know we're both fathers. I'm not a father, my main man. Don't yeah. you remember? My son is dead now. <laughs> yeah. So and good. It, yeah, and it like <laughs> blew my head as a kid. I was like, oh my God. And it's funny, like, cause all the time I was telling one of my friends today that i was talking about the movie and then he was like oh are the bombs going to come and i was like the bombs also the way he would pronounce bomb phonetically like i don't know there's something that even like for the most immature kids or i don't know if we were like just over time became more empathetic but that was just, just like one of those kids, things you know, yeah we're we're, i mean kids. look we were setting well, up smoke bombs and there's plenty of and, war movies now that question the that delve into like the dark side of war but i yeah i think this was Early in the mainstream AAA movie, so to speak, doing yes, that. Yes, it predates uh, Black Hawk Down. Yeah, yeah, you know? or does it in a way that it it was it wasn't totally preachy or so aggressive, right. where like it was believable, and then even if you weren't that savvy, like it was something that stuck with you, and then you would, and it you really know. just says it's really complex, which is true. Yeah, <laughs> can uh, you think how it feel inside your heart if I bomb your daughter? Oh yeah, and then he like pictures his, worse like, than death. Like yeah, yeah. his wife. That's right, the kid. my man. Worse than worse death. Than that, death. That, that's a line that hit me this time. Worse uh, than death. It really reminded me of. Uh, do you guys know one of my favorite poetry lines is uh, Pablo Neruda? The blood of the children ran through the streets like the blood of children. Like we're mm. gonna divert you away. There's gonna be a euphemism. What's no, the worst thing you can think it. of? It's the blood it's of children. Right, it's right, not right. anything else. Yeah. The metaphor, it's the Fuck thing we metaphor. compare. Yeah. The thing we compare to in a metaphor when we want to have it's hyperbole. literally happening. Yeah. We've reached yeah. that point. Yeah. I think that, yeah, that, that's a great line. And this movie definitely does that uh, from a metaphorical standpoint. Like they shoot like the CDs, yeah. the milk on the ground. Like, I love when they uh, you first see their Humvee, they're throwing Nerf balls, listening to the Beach Boys. And there's Bart Simpson doll in right the, on the hood. It's like right. America, America, American you know capitalism. You know what's even crazy? It's actually Bach first. Bach it's and Bach then Beach first. Boys, you're right. You know what's even crazy? Yeah, yeah. Ice Cube putting on Beach Boys is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. uh, but what's crazy is that like it's almost like there's no way that this movie could have thought this was going to happen because of p- the political situation that happened 
post-1999, so how could he know? Uh, but at, they re-released the film with another documentary about like the Middle East and the war mm-hmm. in 2004 because they thought it was relevant five years after it released. Mm. So it's like, and that was the studio wanting to make more money. Of course. So it's like, there's, it's like bottled up in this weird stew of like, I can see why it's a bipolar movie. And so that's where I'm coming back again. And you made again. me see that now. It's got like the so joke, many problems, but the, the joke problems, quotient is too high for what it's trying to accomplish. If it's yeah. serious about what it's right. trying like, to accomplish. Like I really yeah. believe that this movie and it's not, it's less that I, this movie is not mediocre. It's just a movie made by a maniac that happened to get a few things really right about the fact that we are in a world that is full of maniacs. You know, like, <laughs> right, right. like he's just like Takes this. Takes one to know one. Yeah, exactly. And it's so like it just grabs from all different elements that you're like, what's this now? Why is this happening? Okay, like it just feels like the narrative is like very loose and doesn't. Like, people don't get their just deserves, and then they do sometimes. It's just very strange. And yet there's moments where you can clearly see very distinct orchestration. Like I said, when, like, she shows up at this point because it's the maximum height of tension where she can show up. Um, I do think it's interesting. We got to close out soon, so I'm going to clear my trivia uh, board. Mm. But this bears on what you just said. While they were editing the movie, David O. Russell attended a fundraiser for George W. Bush... So oh, this is a great one. That's how relevant the movie was. That's interesting to me. It's like if they made Vice, like, well, Dick Cheney was in office, you know? Yeah. Weird. Um, he was at a Warner Brothers executive's house. He didn't know George W. Bush was going to be there, but he was there. Russell walked up to Bush and said, hi, I'm editing my newest film. It will question your father's legacy in Iraq. And Bush shot back, well, I guess I'll just have to go back and finish the job. And this was before he ever set those events in motion, yeah. so that's spoopy. Yeah, well, I think we always, I mean, I, from, fucking yeah. He had it. that plan from fucking day one. Yeah, man. his dad was like, you better go back. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. I'll make use some it right. strategery. Um, okay, I'll clear out the boards here. Jeff Bridges wanted to play Gates, but was turned God, down. That, I saw that as well. And I just love him. He would have made it better. because. But he yeah. had to sign on to Big Lebowski, which... No, no. This is what's crazy to me. The studio turned him down because Big Lebowski had just done so poorly at the box office. Oh, they wow. thought he was box office poison. Are you fucking kidding me? Big Holy Lebowski's shit. like one of the most important movies yeah. of our lifetime. 100%. That's so funny <laughs> because we just, around the same time, we just did a... We just covered Lebowski. We just co- yeah. Well, we also just covered uh, Punch Drunk Love with Teresa Lee, and we were talking about how they were taking big gambles on P.T. Anderson. David O. Russell, not so much. Right. No, and that's what... I think you're right that like... Because they talk all about intense pushback from the studios. Um, I think you're right that the joke quotient is probably a result of the process. Yeah. They were probably like, can it be a little funnier? People right. like it, funny. If you're going to make people uncomfortable with why we're yeah. over there yeah. and like fighting this resource <laughs> right. war, but let's say it's about this other thing. Like, and they, were, they really pushed hard to try and get rid of the exploding cow, which is so fucking mild by today's standards. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I also know that they, the Warner Brothers came down hard on them for... Uh, there was some insinuations about the pedophilia rumors surrounding Michael Jackson that during cut. that scene. Yeah. And they had, they were like, you can't do that. Uh, so it's like, it's very, it's bottled up in all of the, all this like censorship about stuff. But we also like, we want to package it. So but we're trying to make an edgy it, statement, but yeah. we still but, want the $50 million but pump budget. The brakes a little bit on the truth. You know? <laughs> right. So, but still make it look like the Americans are saving the poor Browns. <laughs> yeah, there yes, 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 please. But make one of the Americans brown, because then yeah. it's okay. And then, like, yeah. is it really white savior? Yeah. I mean, Ice Cube was black. So. We have a black friend. He's God in the movie. One thing I thought was really interesting USA. is that Troy Barlow's carpet store was in Torrance, where Dirk Diggler's character is from. Oh. That's a weird pull. I like to imagine then that Troy Barlow has the same a micro universe. penis. <laughs> to like balance to out the universe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Conrad Spike Jones has enormous dog. I mean, couldn't in like uh, in that chronology, couldn't Dirk Diggler have fought in the Iraq War? I haven't seen Boogie Nights. I no, don't Boogie know. Nights happens in like the seventies. No, but like nineteen eighty is when it starts pop, like going well, all down. Well, depends downhill. which Iraq oh. War you mean. Yeah. yeah, well, but then this one took place though in the first in the Iraq first War. So ninety one, Dirk yeah. Diggler yeah. was still a young. Desert I don't know. I'm, storm, yeah. I'm, I'm like wanting to f- imagine a you David just, O. Russell, P. T. Anderson so universe. He gets <laughs> back. <laughs> he gets back. From, Wahlberg truther. Yeah. He gets back from surviving torture. By the way, fun fact: Mark Wahlberg was actually electrocuted in the torture scenes because yeah. he can't act and he. 
knew it. So that was the only way it was going to look believable. And was that David? Was that David's call or was good. that Mark's call? Uh, Had to have been Mark. Mark Wahlberg has said, and you never know what's PR or what's not. Yeah. But publicly, the story is that he wanted it to help him get into the role. I Mm. love that if David O. Russell just goes, "Yeah, yeah, it'll be fine, it'll be fine." Fucking juice this motherfucker. He can't (laughs) act. We need him to act in this scene. Shock the shit out of him. What the hell, bro? (laughs) Yeah. It's a Clooney prank, dude. It's a Clooney prank. I don't know. Uh, He clearly likes working with David (laughs) O. Russell. Um, And also, as we mentioned, Spike Jones was. David O. Russell's buddy who wrote the part specifically for him, but I didn't know. They practiced the Southern accent for weeks and weeks every night over the phone until, you know, David O. Russell was yeah. happy with the Southern accent. But the reason it had to be over the phone was Spike Jones was busy directing being John Malkovich, oh which is such God. like a cerebral, bizarre, weird. I love that movie yeah. too. But can you imagine him directing being John Malkovich? Then going home from set and practicing his racist southern accent on the phone right, with David for David with David Russell. Russell. It's just a weird life. Hey, Troy yeah. gave this haircut. It's a badass haircut. Another. Bad, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's one of my favorite sequences is we're like, oh, unless you guys really love your day jobs. And they cut back to everyone's day job. And Spike Jones is just shooting shit in a junkyard with a shotgun. I was always Comes like, back and he goes, I, I love it. I don't really I don't have, have a day, day job. job. Just because there are too many jokes doesn't mean some of the jokes aren't great yeah like uh jamie kennedy with the night vision goggles they're night vision goggles they don't work during the day pause 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 yeah they kind of work yeah they kind of work <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, yeah uh another thing about david o russell is that the story was written by now this guy is not necessarily the greatest guy but his name is john ridley and he he uh he wrote a screenplay because he wanted to write a screenplay really quickly, I believe. See how fast he could sell a screenplay. Yeah, that's it. And uh, and he wrote it in like two weeks. And got it sold, sold it in it within a month. Or so good for oh, you. Wow. But uh, you that's, that's not the point of the story. I mean, that's just like holy weird. Right. Uh, but like David O. Russell took his name off of it. And it says written and, by David O'Russell. And, yeah. Yeah, and right. Ridley sued. Sued <laughs> and won. And all he got was a story by credit, even yeah, though oh, he yeah. wrote the original draft. But he got draft. money. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but and David O'Russell didn't do a thing to yeah. it? David O'Russell No, no, he wrote it. He, 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 he co-wrote oh, okay. the screenplay. But he just but like, he took just it over and he wrote it. Right, right. But he's like not giving... That's what... I think he yeah. wants to even be writers as a Hitchcock or a Kubrick, right. and he's even willing to lie to cement that legacy. <laughs> like he yes. wants to be, he wants to be P.T. Anderson at yes. the minimum. <laughs> right. Yes, he's the Steven Seagal. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> even though the Smashing Pumpkins are dope, don't get me wrong. But do you ever hear Billy Corrigan nowadays do these long rants about how they should be remembered, like like they should still be relevant, like Radiohead or whatever. And I'm like, right. no. no, you aren't that good. You think you're that good. You were just a, a good band right. for a brief period. And now, like, <laughs> what, what kind of hot takes has he had politically? Oh, well, now he's all the way he's to like, the right. Like, like yeah. all right nearly, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Makes sense. Oh, Billy. Oh, Billy. Oh, oh Billy. Billy. Well, as we end every episode, that's that mattress man. Um, no, I'm confusing. This has episode. been a podcast by David O. Russell. I'm David O. Russell. I'm, <laughs> I'm here with David, David O. Russell and David O. Russell. Uh, yeah, where can the people find you? Uh, on Twitter, Instagram at Miles Gray, on podcast apps, on uh, the Daily Zeitgeist every day, and frequently on other house stuff. Works, yeah, yeah. When I have shows, time, it's when tough. You when I yeah. dunk my head into the news abyss every day. Oh yeah, uh, it's yeah. Real positive. Out Are you there. a stand-up guy? Do you do any kind of live? No, I, you, okay. I used to do a lot of improv, mm. and then I had so many jobs. Like, I, I mean, I was like in lobbying for a number of years, and wasn't in comedy. Yeah, and then yeah. I came back and started just like doing. I needed a job, so I just started making digital content for like big media companies. So yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm an unorthodox. Jackson upsized it differently. We had lunch. I was like, what's, so what's Miles deal? Like, how'd you meet him? And he goes, he's a lobbyist. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, that, that's how he met me. That's how he says he met me. That's fair, I guess. Lobbyist. Well, no, he said he met you through the process of looking for someone to co-host the Daily Zeitgeist, which I could have gathered. Well, that, well that, I think, well, we met because we're rosy. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. What he said. But yeah, I, I, a lobbyist. Yeah, I mean that I did. Do, oh god, that destroyed my soul. I, I would just take that. that as an insult if someone characterized me as a lobbyist. No offense. No, depends I on what you're lobbying. Oh, dude, when I was a uh, high school sophomore year AP government class, as a treat, they had a lobbyist come in and talk about as what their treat. job was like. <laughs> a little, 
Were they and drunk? He literally said stuff like, it's a job that requires a great deal of moral flexibility, shall we say. And I'm like, Uh-oh. so you're evil. It's just a job well, and evil. No, man. sometimes I bend good, sometimes I bend evil. Yeah, yeah. It's like, thank you for smoking, right? Thank oh, you like, for smoking. Do you want he comes in and says, yeah, yeah well, you, yeah. yeah. And he's like, chocolate, because I just like it. He's like, no, vanilla, because I run a smear campaign against chocolate. chocolate it's yeah. bad. Yeah. <laughs> It's a uh, all right. It's any, that time to hit the old dusty trail. Any final thoughts from anybody? Uh, I already uh, said my Torrance thing. Nah. Cool. Then we'll, Great. There's a cut. Away, See you next really. time. Yep. See you next time. This has been a Small Beans Endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!